What's up? Did somebody wake me? Yo, what's up, man? Is this thing on? <laughs> Jay Soderbergh. That's me. John Luckenbaugh. That's him. Two podcasting veterans. One from the production space. And one from the outer space. And we're, we're, we're QNO. Weekly news and tips in podcasting. On podcasts. Hello and welcome back to the Queued Up Podcast on Podcasting. Hi, everybody. My name is Jay Soderberg, a.k.a. Pod Vader. As always, I'm here with my co-host and the founder of the Queued Up Podcasting Agency, John Luckenbaugh. Hello, John. Good morning, Jay. How you doing? Hey, thank you guys. <laughs> ah, look at that. And our guest has jumped in to say hello already. You're supposed to wait until we introduce you, Rob. Oh, I've got- okay. Well, I just wanted to just, I don't want to get left out. I've got, I've got, I've got this whole great lead up, but- well, everybody, there you go. There's the VP of content and partnerships at Libsyn. It's Rob Greenley. There you go. Hey, if we wanted to start over, we could do that. <laughs> we could. We literally just discussed how the beauty of a podcast is it's recorded. It's not live. We don't have to worry right. about these live shenanigans. Right. Although I think I like that intro. Better. I like that. I <laughs> you like that one better. It's a little more authentic, right? Exactly. Exactly. Rob. One of the things that we've been doing here on the Queued Up podcast on podcasting over the last few weeks has been diving into a lot of the data that's been coming out of reports. We we just finished our mini series on the infinite dial. And then during that mini series, we came across the Nielsen report on demographics in podcasting and wanted to dive into that. But what I thought would be interesting as we're diving through this report is to sort of get the viewpoint of an OG. Now, I've been around for a while, but you've been around just a little bit longer than I have. And so we thought getting the insights from someone who's seen the evolution of content here in podcasting, I thought would be really helpful for the listeners of the show. So thanks for joining. Well, thank you for having me on. Well, it's a pleasure as always. So <laughs> one of the things that we learned in both the Infinite Dial study and with this Nielsen study that we're going to be talking about is that the podcast listening audience is definitely getting more diverse and is actually more diverse than the actual U.S. population. Uh, why do you think that might be, Rob? I don't know. I just, it's hard to really pinpoint one reason for that. I do think that the industry, just in a general sense, has really been encouraging diversity of voices, welcoming it. I think it's a medium that's uh, safe for a, a diverse base of content creators, as opposed to what we're seeing, I think, to some degree in social media. I think it is an attractive medium for this to develop and grow and be a forum for um, all sorts of niche and different interest groups that want to get involved in sharing what they have to share. Podcasting allows everyone to have a voice, uh, the independent podcaster, the corporate podcaster, everybody is allowed to sort of put the content out that they feel best speaks to them and hopefully speaks to an audience as well. When we're looking at these numbers, Nielsen reports that the Hispanic uh, listening is actually one of the fastest growing and has had the largest growth trend over the past few years. What do you think is attributed to that? Well, I think it gets back to content and I think just the growth of the type of content in the podcasting space here over the the last four or five years too has appealed to that uh, market. If you look outside of the U.S. as well in the Hispanic market, 
it's growing quite well down in South America and uh, in Spain. There's podcast platforms in Spain that are doing very, very well. And there's some huge podcasts down in South America. So, and, and it's doing well in Mexico. And so you can kind of see, you know, there's a huge population base there too. And it's also a population that uh, loves to listen to audio. Radio has been a big part of the Hispanic and Latin American communities as well. So I'm not tremendously surprised that uh, we're seeing the kind of growth that we're seeing in those markets because it's been building for many years. One of the things that Nielsen goes into is the different podcast genres that appeal to different demographic groups. I think they really line up with what you usually see with demographic groups. Do you agree? Yeah. It's really fascinating to me to see these different breakdowns. And I I hope we can share this uh, with the listener community. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes or whatever. But to some degree, it'll ring true, I think, from a perception standpoint. The danger of a breakdown like this is you get into perceptional stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't really want to go too far down that path, but but it does point out uh, what those ethnic communities have an interest in as far as the content that they like to consume. And it speaks to kind of their their orientation kind of in a broad sense. I mean, obviously, it's not reflective of every individual. It's certainly an interesting breakdown. And you compare the top categories there to where the most of the episodes are, you know, in a later thing too and it's it's an interesting comparison on how (laughs) misaligned they are but we can go into that i think it really says a lot for the diversity of content in there too and like we've talked about the diversity of the base of listeners it really creates a an ecosystem that is really full of a lot of um, different types of you know groups of interests and gives opportunities for content creators to tap into to markets, but it helps you also, I think, target your content marketing too, as you get into these areas of content production. Why is it important for brands that advertise for podcasting to really laser focus on their target audience rather than, I guess, being on a platform where it's more like, here's my ad spend, spend it across all of your ad opportunities? Yeah, I think it does help. Uh, target. I mean, if you are involved in getting involved in trying to reach a certain ethnic and uh, racial groups as far as your business targeting, I think it, it does help you a lot to understand what types of content is going to generally appeal across that ethnic group or racial group to better reach those types of listeners. One of the interesting decks that came out of the Nielsen report, uh, and yes, the link to the report is in the show notes, is the top podcast genres among light and heavy listeners, uh, which I think is really interesting because the top genre amongst light podcast listeners is music, uh, accounting for 53% of the total audience. Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, depending on the type of music, there's not really a lot of music listening and podcasting. Yeah, I was kind of baffled by that, too, because it's like there really isn't. I mean, unless it's pirated music. Now, if it's talk about music, that that's all in a thing. It does kind of wonder if it's maybe a blip in the research from the perception of the survey respondents <laughs> giving their preference, but not really understanding the full context of the question. But 
but yeah, you're right. I mean, music podcasts is something that I think we've all wanted in the medium, but there certainly isn't the music licensing out there. And I know that a lot of shows are getting taken down and gone after for playing full track music in their shows. So it isn't a genre that's the industry in a general sense is really pursuing aggressively right now. I do think that there's opportunity there. And as you can see in the research here, that there's certainly a a need for music podcasts. It's just that it's misaligned with the content that's out there, though. So I'm not really sure where people are listening to music podcasts, actually. What shows that they're actually listening to that they think that they're listening to a music podcast. I will say um, there's a great one, Coverville, that does a great job, and they do play licensed music. They get all the proper licenses for their podcast. But on the most part, if you're hearing music in a podcast, it's probably a bad thing. (laughs) Well, it's probably okay for the listener, but it's probably not a good thing for the (laughs) podcaster because they're going to be found out and get a cease and desist letter. Now, amongst the heavy podcast listeners, the top genre is not true crime. It's history. although. I wonder how many true crime podcasts actually list themselves as history podcasts. I would say there's some crossover there, at least in a subcategory breakdown. I mean, because you have to pick three, right? So you can easily select that. But yeah, I think the education, history, society and culture, you know, a lot of those kind of follow along the same kind of group of interested listeners. So I think that it's a it's an important category in podcasting, as you can see in the the overall numbers, it pops pretty high. But when you look at the amount of episodes that are created on another slide, there's not, not a lot. This research also exposes a lot of content opportunities, too. This is the second time you brought it up, content opportunities. What content opportunities are you seeing? And feel free to mix reports if you wish, Rob. I think that the imbalance really, you know, if you look at our religion and spirituality, there seems to be an abundance of episodes over there. But there doesn't appear to be a prioritization around listening to that. So there's a lot of content creation going on around a religion-based podcast, but there doesn't appear to be a large amount of interest in listening. But society and culture seems to be the one that's really standing out as one that's got a good base of content that's being created for it. And the educational side, what's missing more, and that would be more on the sports side, I think science kids podcasts, it's interesting how history has the least amount of episodes, but appears to have, you know, a significant amount of interest out there. So you can kind of see that, you know, and I know, Jay, you've got extensive background in the sports genre. So I don't know what you think about that, but I also think technology is another one that um, indexes rather low in the amount of content that's available versus what maybe some of the interest is out there too. So. You know, things tend to be inverse, but but I do think that some of the other categories like business, education, news and stuff do kind of cross over into those other genres as well, like uh, technology and sports and science to some degree. There's a little bit of crossover there, and I would imagine that some of the shows that are designated in those other categories also are categorized in the business and education and things like that too so i think that the opportunities are really around sports technology science kids and family and history as you look to the future and then i mean obviously fiction is another one that's um, doesn't really pop up on this list yet but i think it's growing in its importance 
You know, if I may just address the sports Please real do, quickly. Jay. I'm very curious about the, this data on sports. And because to me, I don't see a huge opportunity in sports. And maybe you don't? it's, well, and you know what? It just might be because I think in sports, it's dominated by the biggest players of them all. When you're looking at the sports category, and if you are, let's say you're a light listener or someone who's never listened to podcasts before, and you're interested in sports, are you going to go listen to Joe Blow's podcast on football, even though it might have better content than ESPN's? Probably not. You're probably going to go and listen to ESPN's. You're probably going to go listen to Fox. You're probably going to listen to CBS. You're going to listen to all the big players uh, because they all have podcasts and they all rank well. Barstool Sports is another one, right? Yeah. Well, Barstool, if you're into, you know, misogyny and other <laughs> things. <laughs> well, now that's a whole other genre here. That we can you know, feel free. About. But I mean, there's definitely, li listen, I can say that, but they've clearly found an audience that they're able to speak to. Right. And so there is that particular aspect. I would plead that if you are an independent podcaster, do not try and copy Barstool Sports uh, <laughs> content formula. Please do not. Everyone has their tastes and everybody has, you know, their likes and, and what they're going to find. And Barstool has done a good job of branding themselves as they have and have found their audience. And their audience is very large and very loyal. So there is that to say and the positive about what they do. Generally, I think that the sports podcasts have a pretty loyal base of listeners, don't they? I would say so. I think once you find that audience, they're going to stick with you throughout. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the sports fan mentality. You're loyal to your team. I think the same is when you're consuming content about your team. Uh, you're going right. to be very loyal to those content creators. So, Rob, we just launched a podcast on Libsyn. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> that was for a law firm. So that one of the things we came across for the categories on the law firm is that there really wasn't a specific category for law. I mean, we chose business management, business, and business news to cross into the news category because they kind of deal with more business issues for entrepreneurs and organizations. Do you think there needs to be more podcasting categories? I think it could help. Yeah, I think it could help the discovery side. The issue that I guess you get into is once you get too granular, the numbers of shows can diminish it pretty small to small numbers. That may be good. That may be bad. It's good for probably the shows in that genre. I would think that'd be good for podcast discovery, right? Because then you could really laser focus in onto the, okay, if I want to listen to a law firm's podcast, I can go to the, the law category. Or As the medium grows and develops, I, I think it does make more sense to break out into more subcategories. And then we may see that happen. I'm hoping that the Podcast Index Project will push the envelope on that a little bit and get platforms like Apple and others out there, Spotify and stuff, to start creating more subcategories that can kind of break this stuff out. And I, I think we went through a cycle in the last couple of years where we kind of made some changes and adjustments there and whittled some and dropped some. And, you know, like we dropped the podcasting category. Why would we want to do such a thing? I think that that's a good example. So some categories probably need to be adjusted and other ones need to be added. If I may go back to the uh, to the Nielsen report here, some interesting stats on genres by listening location. 
And news and comedy are typically one and two, but it depends on where you're at, uh, whether you're listening to news first or comedy first. Apparently, when you're at home, you're looking for the latest news. However, when you're in transit or you're at work, uh, you're in the mood to be entertained with some comedy. Well, I think it depends on which side of the political spectrum that you're on here, too. Which one is comedy and which one is news? (laughs) (laughs) These categories could be a little interchangeable with politics, too. So I'm not quite sure how that fits in, but yeah. (laughs) By the way, the top podcast genres by time of day, again, this some of this seems to make sense. When you're in the weekday and it's the morning hours, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., News comes in at number one, uh, then comedy, society, and culture remain steady at three, no matter what day part you're at. Then business, sports comes in at seven, which I think is a little low. Uh, I would think, once again, the first thing you do when you wake up is you want to know what the news is, you want to know what the sports are, and you want to know what where your stocks are at. Right. That's sort of like, wake up, get your information, and go. And it is interesting to see how that changes as the day progresses. Comedy comes in during the middle of the day and then again towards closing time we're back to news and and business popping back up into the top five but sports never really rises to the top of the mix so that's an interesting scenario too right it is it's especially important to note that if you're doing a sports podcast and you are releasing it say between the hours of 10 a.m and 3 p.m sports is nowhere in the top 10 during those hours it isn't until 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., which it reaches its highest point at 7 and 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Oh, no, that's night. So weekends, 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sports is in your top 10. And Jay, where's weather on this list? <laughs> uh, I don't see traffic either. You don't see traffic <laughs> updates? Uh, no. I see uh, new sports uh, um, and and weather should show up in the you know in the morning time frame, right? I think if we're talking about opportunities, there might be an opportunity for weather podcasts, right? A daily weather one. I guess people realize that they can get weather on their phone, right? In a weather app, maybe that could could explain that. This has always been a point of contention for me when it comes to to studies, uh, because it depends on the sample size that they're interviewing. But when we're talking about the median age of the podcast listening audience, of all podcast consumers, it's set at 38. And it's funny because I just listened to the latest episode of The Feed from Libsyn, and Rob Walsh brought up an interesting point about the 2 million podcasts. If you were ranking the median based on all 2 million podcasts in the app, the median number of listens would be zero. Because uh, there's way more than half of the podcasts that uh, are no longer producing new episodes. Right. And not getting listened to either. So 38, do you think that's about right? Or do you think the age is uh, a little bit younger? Because I would say based on what we heard from the Infinite Dial, that number is is lower than 38. I think if you're talking about average age, probably it's lower. I think we're talking median age here, right? It's it mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of a different basis point. I think it's trending lower. I think these numbers are going to drop over the next couple of years. I think pretty significantly. If you look at the trend line of the Edison research stuff, it's it's growing pretty fast. 
And the 55 plus is actually growing pretty fast too, which means that the middle tier is shifting into the older tier. So, you know, the middle tier, the 35 to 40, 45 range, they're getting older, right? So that used to be the the main listening base for podcasting is that median or that medium age group. But the number of people in that medium age group now is is dropping as we kind of skew to the ends more and more. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how this trend line moves. You know, you look at true crime, which tends to be highly listened to by women. And looks like that the age median age range for true crime is 35. So you drop a couple of years off of that. And you can kind of see where, you know, comedy tends to be a typical genre that's listened to by younger people as well. And then you look at leisure and fiction. Fiction didn't really show up in any of the other lists, you know, significantly, but you're starting to see it show up here now as a younger audience. And you can kind of see where the opportunities, I, I think, are going forward into the future and in those categories that tend to be in the lower age range there. Uh, news ranked as the highest median age at 40, which, again, I don't think is a, is a surprise. And religion and spirituality also ranked high. I, I know I just saw a report about religion in America these days, and it, it was it was an outstanding number of something like almost 50% of American adults do not recognize themselves as any denomination, religious denomination, which I thought was rather high, but also not surprising, I think, as these generations have continued to grow, the importance of religion has been diminished a little. And I think it's interesting, too, when you look at news, I mean, eventually we'll be able to add a little slash to that news thing with a news and entertainment. <laughs> I, I see where you're going with that, Rob. Got to put that into that category of, uh, you know, news and entertainment that kind of go together. If you think about it, it's all about audience, right? I'm being half serious there. I think news is becoming... Um, it's a content genre that basically appeals to certain demographic groups now more than ever. I think it's an interesting thing to think about as you look to the future. What is the delta in news and the entertainment factor there and what it means for podcasting going forward? You know, I think it's, it's an interesting opportunity too. And I think through this last election cycle, I think we saw it play out, you know, some interesting directions especially from the larger media companies playing around with different aspects of it. Let's touch on that real quick, Rob, because I, I, I would agree with you. I think there's a lack of true news actually occurring across all media, not just in podcasting. What is news? If you're doing pure news, you're probably not going to grow much of an audience these days. That's the thing. That's sort of where my question was heading. It's sort of back when I was a wee youngster in the 70s, and all we could watch is Walter Cronkite on CBS. We didn't have any other choice. Now there are so many different choices, and advertisers and programmers see where the audience is heading and sees what the audience wants. And instead of feeding them, say, their peas and their vegetables, they're like, okay, well, here's your dessert. Just have the dessert right, right. here. Here you go. And I agree that I think there's an opportunity to maybe make a true news, it's something that's 100% just factual based, like these are the facts, ma'am. But at the same time, understanding 
the audience doesn't want to eat their vegetables. Right. There was some effort put in on on that. I think in the last year, you know, I think it was uh, Newsnight or something like that out of Chicago. They tried to do just a pure, you know, unbiased news program. And I think it got some traction. But, you know, I think a lot of the news sources now are thinking more about, you know, playing into the polarized audiences that are out there, too. And people's, you know, it's not so much that people want to hear what they don't want to hear. I think they want to hear what they want to hear. That plays into more of an entertainment strategy than a new strategy, right? Well, that's where the money is, at least. Yeah, right, right. I'm a little skeptical of the direction of this, but um, I don't know that comedy is the right parallel here, but but I think it's it's definitely, just like what you were saying, it's almost like the news is playing and serving dessert that's high sugar. They're trying to stimulate emotion. They're trying to stimulate connection via controversy or scandal or what, whatever that plays into people's extreme emotions. And that's also a dovetails to what's happening in social media too. So Rob, let's get into the evolution of podcasting, kind of what you've seen over the years. What was your first initial thoughts, Rob, on podcasting and have they changed over time? They really haven't changed that that much. I mean, I still think of the medium in the same way I did when it started. It's an on-demand format. Uh, it's a way to time shift audio content, unlike we've seen able to be done in any other way. You even look today with what's happening with social audio with Clubhouse and those, and you know, we're back to the paradigm of live. I've been a big fan of, of, of live, but at the end of the day, the audiences are gravitating towards on demand. I think that that's one of the, the tug of wars with, as you look to the future of even these social audio platforms is is are people going to ship back to live again? I don't think, you know, that's the big thing too. There needs to be a real value add for people to jump back into live again. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm a huge fan of live. I do a lot of stuff live and that's where I came from and doing live radio and, and doing, doing live stuff. But it, it does come with a, a cost um, when it comes to whether it be audio quality, content quality, there's a lot of risks in live. I've been through it here recently <laughs> to some degree. And that was a big reason why I started to shift into podcasting is because you could edit and you could control the, the quality of the content that was going out. And people could listen to it on their schedule, not my schedule when I wanted to turn on my microphone. So over the past 15 years, what was the most like monumental landmark in podcasting in the industry of podcasting. Has there been one? Yeah, I'd say that the, the enablement of um, the iPhone really, I think was the, probably the biggest thing that in combination um, earlier uh, with the, the support uh, podcasting given by Apple in iTunes. I worked on the competitor to Apple podcasts when I worked on Zoom at, Microsoft. Oh, wow. Right. Um, so I, I was there for six years um, trying to compete with Apple on that and um, wasn't successful at competing with Apple on that to some degree. I think the highest market share I, I obtained uh, at that time was probably around 15 to 20% of the podcasting market, which has only been eclipsed more recently by Spotify on some platforms. You know, you look at Lipson today, we're basically delivering about 13% of our audio files to Spotify, but you know, it's still 60% and it's going to Apple. 
in some other platforms, they're showing a little higher percentage going to Spotify. And I think that gets back to what the content is that's available on those those platforms. The medium has changed a lot, but I think those are the big inflection points. And I think probably the the later inflection point, I think that really kind of changed the acceptance again was serial, I think is... Uh, I dare you. I mean, you can see it in the data where the interest in podcasting went up uh, once we started to shift into the the storytelling era of podcasting. To me, I think Serial perked up a lot of ears that weren't paying attention to what was going on in podcasting. But to me, I think the inflection point, I'm not going to put it all on iHeart, but I think as iHeart starts getting involved, the other corporations started getting involved. And that's sort of where we're at right now. And I think this is where we're seeing the next big explosion is the big radio broadcasters are now playing in this pool and they're going to bring their audiences with them. Right. Over time, that's exactly true. I think uh, there's still a big chunk of people listening to to radio, but I think a, that big chunk of people that are listening to radio still are listening to music <laughs> on yeah. the radio. Right. You can definitely see in the, in the data that um, talk radio is definitely on a decline um, and it's shifting over to podcast. Well, their two biggest talkers, one is on paid satellite and the other one just passed away. It just died, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, but then there's, there's the next generation coming up behind there, right? Um, Dan Bongino, right? He's the we'll next see. big one, right? I mean, he's, I mean, well, if, <laughs> Here's the thing. When you look at Dan and you look at his podcasting He's numbers, podcast. he, he, he ranks high. So, yeah. But he came from podcasting, so which is an interesting kind of twist on the equation here. I don't know if Mr. Howard Stern's ever going to um, admit that maybe becoming a podcaster might be good for his career. But I don't, I don't know. understand how he can't see the money. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Like he would just be swimming in it. But yeah. all right. What are the biggest challenges that podcasts still face even after 15 years yeah i think the biggest challenge i think is the expectation that this is a a highly monetizable medium <laughs> and at its core it it was started as a as a rebellion against commercialism i think it's an interesting juxtaposition when you think about what the culture and the roots of this medium is as opposed to the growing expectations of this medium and you've seen it a little bit, I think, uh, hesitate in <laughs> becoming a overly commercialized medium. And I think that there's a good reason for that. I think one of the biggest tensions that's happening in the medium today is, is just the expectation of uh, monetization of it and, and how it's not as easy as people think it is to transition to heavy monetization because be careful what you wish for. In your opinion, then podcast should be created as more of a, a platform that leads to other things rather than as a revenue source? I think some creative minds need to be applied here to come up with other ways of valuing audiences in engagement and less of a focus on advertising. I think advertising as a concept, I think, is, is dying. The problem with advertising is it has a problem with trust. There's going to have to be a new model that we develop. And I think podcasting is sitting in a position to develop those different types of relationships with audiences. And I've been hoping for it for, for, for a long time. But 
you know, until then, I think the advertising side is is something that we will see continue to grow. I just don't see it reaching the same level that we saw in uh, radio as far as overall revenue. Do you think download numbers are stressed about too much? What's more important, download numbers or the content being created? Well, right now, if you're an advertiser, if you're in the advertising business, it's the download numbers. That's what we can count and be able to report. I do think that the more important is the engagement and the connection with audiences that have an interest in in content. So I think that you know content can be used as a form of marketing too. And I think we're starting to develop that. And you start looking at branded podcasts. You start looking at content that's being produced to support brands and products. And you can see a little bit of a different value equation being formulated in the market. And that's part of what I'm talking about here is, is to think less about pitching and more about connecting and more about um, you know, inspiring customers to to use your products and less just, you know, pitching an offer. Are you going to make me choose between my Coke and Pepsi podcast? Cause I don't, <laughs> yes, I am. Jay. I don't think I yes. can make that choice. Right. I don't, right. you know, I don't want to make about, the, which one's on sale this week. That's the only thing I care about. Jay, it's all about how that, that, that drink makes you feel. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The one that's cheaper that week is the, <laughs> is the one that makes me feel the best. That's the way I look at it. Right. From the time that you started to the, to where we're at now and seeing sort of the evolution of content in that manner, when we look at the stats that Pacific Content has shared and Nielsen and, and the Infinite Dial, you know, I think the one that, that we can take the most pride in as podcasters is that diversity number, is seeing how, you know, yes, unfortunately, the three of us are three white males, but in overall in podcasting, the diversity number is definitely changing and, and and as we mentioned at the top of the show is even more diverse than the actual US population which i think is something that that we can take some pride in as being part of mhm yeah i agree with that i think that um if we can keep that going i think that that that's great and as podcasting becomes more and more a global medium too and i think that's the other big opportunity as we look to the next 10 years of podcasting is that Podcasting is going to grow probably faster outside of the U.S. than in the U.S. is what I see happening. I think the big question gets back to is how do we navigate this local versus global national issue in the medium? As we grow audience in this medium, is local content going to be something that uh, people are going to have a growing interest in again? I don't, you know, I don't know. I think we've lost a little bit of the local side um, with the growth of the internet. People are thinking more on a national and global scale, but thinking a little less about local. I've been a little bullish in the long run about local, and I think um, that gets back to tapping into you know, another element of diversity as well, so um, more location-based diversity as well. So that may be something that doesn't develop as fully as maybe I would like it, but maybe as you look to the long term, maybe that's that's part of the nichification of podcasting as we start getting it, you know, down to that level. I think more of our listening apps need to be smarter about being able to detect location of where that content creator is located, or you know, maybe having a tag in RSS that says you know this show is based in Seattle or based in wherever and 
we can have apps that can identify that and say, you know, this podcast is talking about things that are going on in Seattle. There's opportunities, I think, in that direction, too. Well, I think we can all agree that podcasting is about community building. And when you think of the word community, the first thing I'm thinking about is my neighborhood. (laughs) So I think there's a natural relationship there. Rob, you're up to a whole bunch of stuff. I've mentioned uh, the new media show. You're the VP uh, or one of the many VPs over there at Libsyn. You've got a lot of cool things happening over at Libsyn. If people are interested in what you're doing, where can they find you? I'm probably the most active on Twitter. So at Rob Greenlee. And then um, I'm also on, uh, on Facebook, LinkedIn, all those, all those platforms too. I'm on the new media show I do with Todd Cochran, who's the CEO of Blueberry. And we will get our audio levels right uh, soon. <laughs> and I've been doing a lot with Clubhouse here lately as well, guesting and talking about podcasting over there and playing around with a lot of the social audio stuff too. The, the Fireside Chat, been doing stuff with that already, even though that hasn't officially launched. Um, so, and then if you want to send me an email, you can send it to robg at lipson.com and I'd be happy to hear from you. Awesome. Rob, thanks so much for joining us. I mean, I could literally talk to you for hours about uh, We could talk for hours, right? We're <laughs> podcasters, Jay. That's what we do. <laughs> it's 100% what we do. Uh, but uh, we're going to let you go, and, and maybe we'll have you back again sometime okay. soon. Okay, that would be awesome. A uh, big thank you to Rob Greenlee, whom you can find over there at Lipson. He is the vice president of content and partnerships there. But John, if people want to get into a content and partnerships deal with you at Queued Up, how do they do so? You can go to our website, which is queuedup.com, qd-up.com, or you can email us info at queuedup.com, or reach out to us on any of our social channels. You can reach out to me if you'd like to get into a content or partnership deal with me. I'm readily available to do such a thing. At the Real Pod Vader on Twitter, my DMs are open, so I'm very easy to get to there. I'm also Pod Vader on LinkedIn. Uh, so you can search for me there. Very easy to find Podvader just by searching. If you want to send me an email, if you prefer a long form that way, nextfanup at gmail.com. Yes, it's the email to my little NFL podcast, but it is probably the best way to get in touch with me, especially in a long form standpoint. So that will do it for the evolution of content in our series on data. Spent a lot of data here, John, over the last month or so, wouldn't you say? I think it's been a really worthwhile series, Jay. It's just going into the numbers and, and, like you said, what actionable advice other podcasters can take from this and make their show more successful. Yeah, hopefully we made it clear talking about the different genres and how those genres have evolved and sort of the size of those genres and where the demographics of the people are interested in those genres have given you some ideas as to how to create your podcast for your audience as you move down this podcasting journey uh, with us, just like John and I uh, have to do every week on Wednesdays. You'll get the queued up podcast on podcasting. So until next Wednesday, where we'll have another exciting topic to discuss. Uh, For John, I'm Pod. There you have.